Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. I didn't want to do this, but I was forced to. I have to do four podcasts a week because the public demanded it. It was hugely, hugely popular. Hugely popular last week, last couple of weeks. We've never had more momentum on the Bradford Show. So we're going to to continue to do it because people want the baseball conversation in all different forms and fashion. Last year, I just wanted first, before you start this one, before we start episode 78, I do want to thank all the guests from last week, Kerosene Ken, John Smoltz, Sam Kennedy, and Ashley Kelly, wife of Joe Kelly. Thank you all for making such a great week, and it's going to be another great week because my good friend Evan Drellick's here sitting with me, the only person up until the Lou Maloney podcast has blown up, the only person to actually participate in this podcast and then not have it air. Welcome. You, you well, it's your screw-up. Thank you for having me. Why was it? It wasn't. Actually, I've screwed up before on this podcast, the sound Lou. Absolutely, my screw up. The JD Martinez uh, Welcome to Boston Party podcast. Had a heart attack. I apologize. Didn't post it. But that one, the Evangelic one, was absolutely not my fault. How many microphones do you use now when you do these podcasts, Rob? Depends. If I'm on the field, two? two? Depends. Yeah. You, you had a back and forth podcast with me. And made the mistake of bringing one microphone to the table. And the audio was therefore unlistenable, and that's your fault, not mine. It is your podcast. Ken Laird is doing something right now. I'm Do we have to start doing. over, Ken? No, you're fine. Okay. You're a little hot. You can see you're a little hot. Uh, I know. I'm hot. It's almost like Rob doesn't know what he's doing, huh? Well, you see, if you're going to be part of this, this is a very welcoming place. Take me place. for who I am. All right? All right. So Evan Drellick, Kerosene Ken, all with us. Kerosene Ken can only do a little snippet, so we're going to get to his hot take out of the gate as soon as we can. But the topic, and because really when you, when you start out this well for a team, we've talked about what has gone right and all corners of the roster and core and blah, blah, blah. We've, we've talked about it. We have to at some point have the uncomfortable discussion of where it can all go wrong because we have plenty of examples of – Teams that start out very, very well and then don't do well. The Milwaukee Brewers, the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, sure, they're teams like Detroit Tigers in 1984. But there are plenty of other examples where you have great Aprils and then it sorely falls apart. I sat here. I, this is the best, the best team that I've seen in a long, long time for the Red Sox. It is the best constructed team as we sit here in April. Better than the team that was proclaimed the best team ever in 2011, which might have, by by the way, Evan, been the best team. 2011, that was your first year covering this team, right? Yes. That actually might have been the best team then even maybe even be, be beyond the certainly beyond the, the 2013 team, much more talented team. I'm talking about talent, yeah. So the only thing to, as we start off here, you know, the team is doing so well right now. There's no hesitation on your part for how this will be received that we're being the negative Nancys by criticizing no, because the team I think, doing so well. I think Evan, because it, it, I've we, got this we, narrative around me that all I am is negative, well, and now the first time you ask me on this podcast told you, is that I'm being asked to bring to to poke holes in this incredible, the best start ever for a rookie manager, and that's what you're bringing me in here for. As I've the, been asked as, to do this. I want that as clear. As long as they're educated takes, as long as they're... Well, they're, they're always educated. No, but they're not. That's the problem. It becomes, when you do it, it becomes too obvious that you're trying to go down the road that doesn't make any sense. That's not true. Okay, well, We'll discuss that, but I'm not doing. I'm not saying that we have to be negative here. But we've gone through the gamut of how many things have been positive. What else are you going to talk about? If we did it, oh my goodness, the starting pitching has been so good, the the lineup's been so good, Core has made all the right decisions. We have to brace ourselves to the thing that hasn't been discussed. And kerosene, 
as I like to call them. Yeah. I mean, you, you would agree with me that this has to be the conversation right now, right? I think, but my microphone's way low, so I'm going to fix this. Okay. This is going great, huh? Well, let the people That's in. Good. Let the people see what's going on oh, here. All right. Check, 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 check. <laughs> it's turned around. Who's... <laughs> well, well, you can start us off and tell us what you think will go wrong. All right. Are you ready for the kerosene take? Oh, yeah. Hold on. All right. Ready? So the, w- the topic is what can go wrong. <laughs> this is very disconcerting. <laughs> is it working now? Check, check, check. Okay, better. Better. Okay. What can go wrong? What can go wrong with this team? And I'm not saying it is going to go wrong, Evan, just to make sure that you, go, you don't want people mad at you, Evan. No, I don't. I'm okay. sick, of, sick of being yelled at. Okay. By everybody. But Ken? <laughs> Kirk? Players? Management? Okay, okay. PR? He's trying to get yeah, me Everybody. Yeah, it's very sensitive. Uh, here's what can go wrong, Rob. Okay. Thank you, Karis. If you really study what's going on with Chris Sale right now, He's not elite Chris Sale. Something is wrong with Chris Sale. There's the kerosene take of the day. Got all, all totally lost in the Sean Manaya no-hitter on Saturday night. Check out his velocity that's fastball. Down a tick. I understand the game at Fenway. He pitched in the cold. You kind of throw that game out. He, he toughed it out. Yeah, but, his velocity actually wasn't down yesterday. It was. It, I mean, for the game in Oakland. He ta- where did he top out? 94? 96. 96 for yeah. a pitch. But I think he sat 91, 92 for a lot of the game. And look at the numbers. His fastball and his changeup. He doesn't throw the changeup a ton, but he's getting hit. He's, his, um, those pitches have not been as effective as the Chris Sale that we knew. Slider is still effective. He's got to mix it in when he can. Something worries me about Sale. And he's, this has been a guy that's been remarkably healthy through his career. But that kind of uh, um, workload that he's but had, including he- last year... And I believe behind the scenes they were a little bit worried about this coming into the year, which led into the whole, we're going to monitor his pitch count, even the first start, Evan. It was a little bizarre to see him come out of the game that early. There's something medically they're worried about, and now we're just, this guy's elite. You're seeing the downtick just a little bit. He wasn't terrible. That's what can go wrong with the Boston Red Sox. Something wrong with Chris Sale's arm. Well, when you watch Craig Kimbrell so far, and I think the Red Sox stats, that fine Twitter account, showed the other day, the velocity hasn't been there for him quite as much yet. He's still been dominant. And even if you look at David Price, is the curveball really there? He's been, he's been more sinker-cutter. Maybe these guys are all evolving at this point. At some point, Chris Sale's going to have to adjust without his velocity. I'm not convinced right now that he doesn't have it. But you're right. If that keeps up, then you're, you have a different guy. And, and the guy who doesn't have to look at scouting reports, who can rely on Sandy Leone and Christian Vasquez to call all his pitches, you might need to see that change. I just didn't think it would have to come this early. But I, I don't know, Rob, do you think he's at that point? you have evidence of that? No, I think he, was, he wasn't. The, the, what you're juxtaposing is against what he was coming out of the gate last year, right? And really the whole season last year. I mean, well, not no, take the last from, month from out of Aug- Two months. I mean, okay. August 1st on, fair, fair. he was at a 4.5 ERA. Yes. So... But that's the guy they want the whole year and into the postseason. Yes. Right? So, uh, I, so he, I, you can't, he has an ERA under two right now. I'm not saying he's been bad. No, I know. It's but, comparison but, to right, sales standards. I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think it's realistic that he's going to be what he was out of the gate last year. I think that that, that was – if he's going to be what he was out of the gate last year, they're trying to make that at the end of the year instead of the beginning of the year. But it's the right – I don't blame you for bringing it up. Kerosene, but here's the thing: is that we're juxtaposing it off of last year, and I think what he is giving you, even on the game against Benaya, it was good enough. My biggest point it leads to kind of what Evan was talking about with David Price and and with Sale. I don't think there's any argument. I mean, the biggest thing that can go wrong with this team is that something happens to those two guys. So I just quick note on this. I was in Anaheim, unlike Rob Bradford. Uh, it was a good, what a inve- good what investment. A, how much time did you talk about his stories? <laughs> good investment. Well, the Mookie Bet story was good. It wasn't really talk. It was a good feature, and you should read what it. What was it on? It was on his swing and uh, uh, how he works on his swing. And J.D. Martinez's <laughs> what is going on, Kat? Sometime, what, what did you want? Controversy in the middle of 16? No, no, I wanted a story that people anyway, believe. Anyway, I sat down with Dana Levangi. Bradfield brought the hammer with Bet's first trout. That was the story of the yeah, week. Go ahead. I mean, How I many did times that from you my read couch? that? How many? I know. It's the laziest story. It's boring. If you actually read oh, my story. It was topical. It's what people were talking Everyone, about. Bradford's Bet's got his finger trout, on the pulse. This Bet's and Trout is three years old. Ken, honestly, I mean, we have to, I have to stop real quick here. Not stop the podcast, but stop like Evan from talking because Evan this is the problem you got to get your head around this 
You talk about you went out to Anaheim to talk to Mookie Betts about his swing, whereas the real topic is what Ken just yeah, said. You should have talked to Trout about I Betts. To Trout about Trout Betts. Been at, I've asked or Trout about Tomasi, Betts before. Do what Tomasi did. He talked to Ron Renicky, who was Trout's co- outfield okay. coach. Last How many year? bench like, coaches you do you need there? talking about Trout and, and it, Betts? Find a different you way need, to. You've had DeSarcina w- do it. What, what was you it? and I see differently? Go to Anaheim to talk about Mookie Betts' swing. Like you couldn't do that here any day. Are you worried that the what they're doing over there? The story was. Well read. What's going the story on? Story was very well read. <laughs> what's, 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 because it was a good, insightful story. JD Martinez saying that Mookie Betts does a lot of things differently than, than most I, great love, hitters. You know what you, thing you heard that from Mike you know Trout? thing Evan does? He he, destri- he gets desperate with his stories, so he retweets them like fifty thousand. I want times. people to read me. Yes. <laughs> but but can I just tell you I did I sat down with Dana Levangi I haven't oh, wait, you paid money shut up for a second I sat down with Levangi and this velocity issue came up and he oh, we already, oh. I talked to him in Boston I didn't I need to go out to Anaheim okay with well him. this is old news what did you sit down with him for twenty minutes yes wait anyway. the velocity with who. Uh, I, it, it came up. Okay, it came up with sale, and he actually mentioned Kimbrel. It did not come. Yes, up with well, I've already talked to the Levangian. Right, this is so old Ken. It's old me, news. Ahead. All right. Well, I'm well, somewhat well, interested. Well, in Mookie Betts and Mike Trout might be similar. What, is, that's not old news. What did Levangian think? Um, <laughs> he's worried about it. No, he's not. And of, I guess of course that's what you'd not. expect him to say. But it, they do feel like it's part of this build-up program. If you'd like to know the average fastball velocity of Chris Sale to begin the season through five starts, ninety-four in his first one, ninety-two point nine nine. Second, ninety-three nine one. 90.82. That was the cold weather. Game. That was the cold weather. 95.67 yesterday. Okay. Well, what was it last? Uh, what was it? The homer. The homer was on a 91. What was it in Oakland? Uh, it, the average four seamer he threw was 95.67. Yeah, so, so, so it would suggest he's, yeah. he's on his way back. Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye. Yeah, I will. I mean, as all your hot takes, I always keep an eye. Like Kale. I mean, uh, well, I got to go. But here's my second addendum. Okay. Now you reported that Pedroia was going to start the year. No, I did not. He said that. Okay. Well, I don't whatever. put words in their mouth. But what did you report? The Pedroia was going to start no, no, opening day. No, he, he was Pedroia aiming said to start he was going to start an opening day. You remember that was that was a, ago, that right? was a, a, a very useful We've conversation. Been, I mean, that's been severely wrong and overblown. I think that was like him being like this okay. br- bravado. But when he comes back, that's still a major issue that this team has to deal with. How to reincorporate oh, Pedroia so. into the lab? You don't think so? No. Nunez getting have, have sent to the seen, bench. Have you seen Nunez play? Defensively, he's oh, not that's good. Why we knew you're that. On this train, you're already setting no, up Pedroia. That's as true. Oh, definitely. That makes so much sense now. I have to have Dustin Pedroia playing, and if Eduardo <laughs> Nunez is in the way, that I I am not going to settle for that. You're but, then going to have Swihart and but, Nunez on the bench. The upset. I said we said this on the on the radio just now, Ken. I said from what I've seen from Nunez, I love watching Nunez play offensively. But what I've seen from him, I almost think Blake Swihart could play better at second you're, base. You're wrong about that. Well, whatever. I mean, it's your progress to be wrong about me being wrong. But he's – Eduardo Nunez was baffling to me. Like, I watched him in spring training, and he clearly had mobility issues. He can't catch the ball. He, he has a hard time catching the ball. He had a moment on Friday night's game where he was perfectly placed in the shift. Brian Johnson was pitching. The ball's right there, and he botches it. He had an instance on Saturday night where Cindy Leon throws it down a second – he doesn't want his knees getting blown up, but not only that, but he drops the ball. And, and it's weird to me because I can get the mobility thing, but just being able to feel the ball, I don't Well, I don't okay, but, but how mobile will Pedroia be when he comes back? And if he doesn't hit right well, away, that's going to amp up the pressure even more. What's interesting is you talk about him saying, I'm coming back for opening day. One thing we've learned early on, and I think Bogarts is another example of this, this is they are going to take as long as – they need to. There is not going to be. We've seen it in the last few years. Well, we were going to be careful, but are you really going to be careful? The last few years, really, I go back to Pedroia's foot injury way back in the day. They, they sent him out in Pawtucket, and the next thing you know, he's stealing bases and he can't get out of bed the next day. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Okay, but we, I got to go. But those are my two things. That was good. You contributed well. It's not quite kale deliverance like last week, but no, I tried. The, the okay. kale can be researched. Your, your, your reliance on Pedroia to self assess and, and say, I'm ready or I'm not ready. Is potentially misplaced. Is he going to say to them? Well, that was in off season, Evan. I mean, that was before spring training. No, no, but I'm saying now you talk about they're, they're not going to rush anybody. But yeah, the, the guy's going to rush himself. Is 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 Pedroia. But, they, but the, I don't think they will let him. Here, it, it all depends on one. It all depends on Pedroia. If Pedroia is anything like his old self, then it's going to work itself out. The issue is going to be if he comes back and he's not playing well, and Nunez is performing like he is now, which is well offensively. 
Is, do you rather have the glove of Pedroia out there, assuming the glove is still there? Because he, it's not that he's going to lose the ability to catch the ball. We don't know what his range is. We don't know what his bat is. Pedroia is an unknown right now. And anybody who looks at it differently is tricking themselves to knowing what this injury is going I, to I think turn that, him into. I think that normally I would agree with you that, that if you, you could say, well, Nunez is certainly offensively he's a good player. And he could be a replacement for Pedroia if Pedroia isn't ready to go, if he's not the old Pedroia. But Nunez has been so bad defensively. And it's weird because they've had good infield defense. And I do think it factors in where he hasn't had to move a whole lot. But you, I think this is – we talk about things that are going to catch up to this team. And you've said it before, and I agree with you. Like I don't know why they're not having a defensive replacement for Nunez. For health reasons as well. Look. When Pedroia comes back, I don't think he's going to come back and be playing every single game. You're not going to see the disappearance of Eduardo Nunez either way. You're not going to see Pedroia take over every day. Now, if this lead in the division is still very high, and the Blue Jays are, are certainly still in this thing, if it's high enough that you can, uh, can afford to break Pedroia in, maybe you can take some bad play from Pedroia for a little bit. The, the, the trickier thing is going to be you're in the middle of a pennant race, you're playing the Yankees, and if Pedroia's mobility is limited, if he's not hitting, who are you turning to? And that's going to be... I don't, I don't know what Alex Cora does. That, that's, that's a tougher scenario. But these, these, Pedroia is a huge what if. All of it. All of it's a. Yeah, well, that leads us to the whole what can go wrong well, with the, this team. Well, I'll give you one that's more present. Okay. At a certain point, J.D. Martinez is going to screw up in left field. And it's going to really cost him. It hasn't cost him yet. And then we're going to have the discussion of well, how much, how valuable is this player rest for these smaller guys? I think he's played, let's see, no, he DH, so I think he's played nine. Out of 19 games, as we record this, almost almost 50% of the time he's playing the field. It's a lot. I mean, nobody ever thought if you got to game 20, was it 21, 22, and he was playing the outfield 50% of the time, nobody would have thought he's that. Ta- Cora is taking this rest idea, which is a good one, farther than I guess most people believe. When, when he initially said we're going to rotate people, I don't know if, if everybody quite latched on to how much that meant because we're so used to the other style of of play and lineup construction. So the the idea is good, but people he's been relatively free from criticism. I've been one of the few to suggest so Cora? Yeah. For, well, for this kind out 17 and 2. Right, but but there's, so there's going to be a day when when Martinez is out of the lineup because you're working in Moreland, who's playing very well. So right now it's certainly defensible. He's the best OPS of any first baseman Exactly. In do you think that continues? Maybe no. it does. I, maybe maybe we need to there could be discussion about do we need to think about Mitch Moreland in an entirely different light. If we still think of him as a glove first guy, which is probably inaccurate at this point, there's going to be a day when they're not going to be hitting and you're going to see Martinez on the bench and you're going to go, why isn't J.D. Martinez playing? And the other question's going to exist. He's going to be in left field and you're going to be like, wait, why is he in left field? They're going to lose the game because of, of a ball he couldn't get to. So those questions exist right now. They just haven't been well, exploited. Had, well, the, the exploited. day that Bogarts got hurt, what was it, April 8th, that, that's when it was really exploited, the J.D. Martinez thing, because he butchered that ball. Um, in Fenway Park, and I think that he's going to have much, much more difficult time and have many, many more moments that you're talking about at Fenway Park than he is on the road. So we're going to have more of those. This, uh, uh, undoubtedly, like I watched him play, Evan, in spring training. And, uh, hold on a second. I watched him play in spring training, J.D. Martinez in the outfield, and I think that he can feel the position. He has pretty good instincts. He throws to the right base. He's just he is what he is. He's not very mobile, but I've seen worse. I've seen a lot worse out there. Um, but to your point, is it is it going to cost them at a key moment? If we're sitting here in August, I we had put like forty five, fifty games in the field. That's not how it's trending right now. Do you? So that's the question. Do you think Alex Cora is going to overplay him in the outfield? Does Cora need to reel this in a little bit? And I'm sure there's an element. I know there is an element of J.D. Martinez came here with the understanding that he would play roughly 50 games in the outfield or whatever. Whatever the number, whether specified or not, he wanted to play outfield. The Red Sox told him, yeah, you're going to be able to play some outfield. So how far do you take that? At what point is it detrimental to the team? I think it, it, I think it all relies on how the other guys we mentioned are doing, how Hanley's doing, how Mitch Moreland's doing, how if one of the outfielders are in a slump. And we don't know how that's going to play out. So far, everybody's hitting pretty much. Do you, but the other thing is, do you need to keep running J.D. out there to keep Mookie fresh? How much rest do you so, – so we all, I think, are in agreement that it's good to have more rest. How much – how do you choose? How do you know? Is it, is it 20 games for one of these guys? Well, is it 15? Well, there, there is, there's no blueprint right now. How we know that is because he's, re- he's resting guys after they hit home runs. 
you know, so there isn't like because yeah, he's drawing up the lineup days ahead of time. Sure, sure, but still, we've and I know that, and he said that, but managers have done that and then deviated because the guy's gotten hot, but they're sticking to it, and it hasn't really come back to bite them because they come back and usually they hit. It's I guess what what we have to look at as the season goes on, and we have this conversation about what could go wrong, is which one of these guys is going to start going down. Start slumping because all of them. You, am I right? I mean, all of them right now make a case they're having good year. Even like Jackie Bradley, Andrew Benintendi, their numbers aren't way up there, but they're playing well enough. They're contributing. It's not like you said, oh, that guy has to be out of the lineup. So which one of these guys, Moreland, Hanley, you know, I'm taking bets out of the equation. Benintendi, Bradley. Which one of these guys is going to have a downturn where you're like, oh, well, you know what? You're going to be sitting more than you like. It almost doesn't matter which one it is. It's a question of does he then react to that? The, the whole thing with the lineup right now is he's not playing the hot hand. And the hot hand has been one of those ideas that has been long railed against by the, the, the nerds, the sabermetricians and all that type of stuff. Like I, I remember tweeting something out recently about Cora and the lineup and Bill James retweeted something to the effect of thank God. Like 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 it's about time that people are getting away from this idea. The way I look at the hot hand is if there's a guy you look at who's just in a total funk and, and there's something tangible about it where you know, there's no hard contact and he's just lost the plate and, he, and he's not a, a Giancarlo Stanton type of player, then I think you have a real argument to play somebody else for a bit and give a guy a breather. It, it, it's when you have somebody who's not in this very obvious slump that, that you take out of the lineup. And it, it, Do you believe in the hot hand, Rob? Do you think this is... Uh... Yeah, I believe in the hot hand. Yeah, I believe if, if you're swinging the bat well, a lot of times... The, the problem with the hot hand is it's going to end. It ends at some point, and then you have to identify when it's. Does ending. the hot hand outweigh the match? Let's say, let's say you're a really good yeah, fastball I've, hitter. Yes, it does. You think if you had a three for four day yesterday? Yeah, but this guy in because the mound. I think sometimes, absolutely. I mean, and no one can tell me differently because having whether having played or seen guys played or whatever, it's athletics. When you feel good about this, and this is what everyone is trying to harness this mentality of whether you want to call it in the zone or whatever it is, but. Oh, I asked Mookie Betts about being in the zone, by the way. That's Would you like to read that? No. It's, uh, you, have this, you have that feeling of you can do no wrong, whether it's lefty, righty, fastball, curveball, whatever. And there, I think that is a very real thing. So, yeah, that is riding the hot hand. But I think that if you take a day off, it's not like you're going to lose that hot hand. Like I think you're still going to feel that way if, if for one day off. I think that's okay. That's all right, especially in a baseball season where it's not like a football season where you're like you have to wait seven days. For baseball season, the next opportunity is two days away. So you believe in the hot hand, but you you also think it's okay to rest the hot hand. Is that what you just said? Yeah, it's it's. I think how does that how how do those two coexist? Because I, I, just, I, just, I just explained it to you, where I think that if you have a hot hand, if you have a hot hand for JD Martinez is an example of this, where. If J.D. Martinez went 8-for-12 in the Angels series, three straight games, he gets a day off. Do I think that all of a sudden he's, he's going to lose that feeling because he had a day off? I personally don't because it's, it's just one day. It's one day. If, if you're, I'll say it again. If you're talking about a football season, it's different. If you're talking about an extended period of time, it's different. Do I think Xander Bogarts is going to jump back in and do exactly what he was doing before? No, because it's been a while. He, he doesn't have that same mindset. He doesn't have that same feeling of getting up there all the time. But I so I don't, I don't think know. I don't think you can I don't think you can just say oh the hot hand doesn't exist no no I don't know how you can say the hot hand exists and then be like yeah it's okay f- because you can keep here's, in a nutshell Evan you can keep the hot hand over the course of two days I mean I, I've seen it happen and we've seen it happen it's, it's I guess. Okay. I, I don't know. It seems what like it's, is, uh, to me, it feels like a little bit more of a one or the other. Either so you believe in the hot hand or you don't. Kerosene can. He said Chris Sale concern uh, how he's going to evolve this. Base running still there. Wait, hold on. I'm going to recap. You said JD Martinez playing too much in the field. Base running. I'm Nunez. not too worked up over that. Where they could get worked. Where they could run into some trouble with base running. No pun intended. If Hanley gets a little too enamored with this stealing bases thing. He, he, he went a couple times. What and about had, just bad choices by a guy like Benintendi or somebody like that? I mean, there's a bunch of people who you know, I understand. keep seeing weird sends and, and, and head-scratching choices. Yeah, but well, more so at the beginning of the year. Yes, not it so has not been later. as bad lately. So we'll see how that evolves. Uh, 
And then what was the other, you know, I, at the beginning I said, obviously, the top two guys in the rotation. You can put Porcello in there, too. Well, health is always. So, yeah, but I just think. The that bullpen. It's health, health is different for those guys. And we saw their best hitter at the time exit, and they they're still had a three fifty batting average at short time. They'll be, even if they didn't, they probably would have been able to score enough runs to win. That is different. If you have something happen to those three guys or Craig Kimbrell, those are the guys to me where it can take a really, really bad turn. The bullpen is the other one. The, that that issue that existed at the very on the fir- very first day of the season and over the off season. This is not a second guess because Dave Dombrowski himself said he wanted a lefty reliever. He didn't go out and get it. And you and I and others, uh, well, at least I know I, I don't know about you, but but certainly felt like Addison Reed needed to be replaced in some capacity. He was not. Tyler Thornburg might come back. Maybe he can be that guy. It's a lot of faith in. Oh, somebody. they should. You know, that would be a huge mistake to even think that. Because that's, I think that's exactly what they did with Carson Smith. And, and maybe. And look at Carson Smith. Well, yeah, look at him. I look at him. It took him a while. They, but they wanted Carson Smith to be that guy on day one, and clearly he wasn't. So uh, he might evolve from that guy, and he, he shouldn't be allowed some leeway to get back into how he was in Seattle. He was back for less than a month last year. He jumps in this year, and you're just expecting, okay, be the guy you were in Seattle. Well, he wasn't ready. Maybe he evolves into that guy. It's fine. But I think to what you're saying, Evan, you can't just say you have the guy. You have the guys who have the potential to be the guy, but you don't have the guy right now. Yeah, they. they I, th- I think they knew that. I mean, I know they were trying to, to add some sort of relief help. They, they clearly are up against the 237 mark. I think it would have been a credit to them if they'd found a way to clear a little bit. I don't know how you do it. The roster's been playing so well. It's, it's a little ridiculous in hindsight to say, but... Uh, they they knew they needed a reliever. They did not add one. The, that that's kind of the bottom line there. It's, and I'm sure it's not for lack. Well, of ironically, trying. you said they the one thing he they said they never going back to the GM meetings. They never said we needed a relie- reliever. We need an eighth inning reliever. They said we need a lefty reliever. Whether they weren't talking about a, they weren't talking about a, a, a loogie though. They no, weren't talking about they, a yeah. They were. Guy. They 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 definitively Dave Dombrowski definitively said. This is what he we meant were looking a lefty, for. A situational lefty, lefty reliever. Well, then that's a miss. And then, then I was giving Dombrowski too much credit because there's an underestimation of what of what he had in that bullpen. And, and oh, I, but that's not that's actually ironically hasn't been an issue. I mean, because they're blowing people. No, 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 this no. This podcast no. is about what could become an issue, right? right? Sure, but you, by this we have also this podcast tries for facts and things that are actually happening. And all I'm saying, what's when, the weakest part of this team right now? You would rotation say, lineup bullpen. You you would have to say setting him up to Kimbrel. Yeah, Absolutely. obviously. But you're not. But I'm just trying to call you out on your your inact- your inaccurate facts, which is a fact by nature is accurate. So uh, no, you're not in, be, in, inaccurate. It's not perceived a fact if it facts, is inaccurate. Which is that lefty reliever. They they were looking for a lefty reliever. They didn't get a lefty reliever. Lefty reliever is hurting a lot. Well, Bobby Pointer was really good, and Brian Johnson's been fine. That's not what's hurting them, Evan. I think we both agree that. Finding the guy eventually, because they're blowing everybody out, we haven't seen it, but finding the guy who was going to get to Kimbrell on a regular basis, not once in a while, not hit or miss, but on the regular basis, that's going to be important. All right, so you misrepresent what I said. I did not I say... Did not. It, yes, you did. I said Dombrowski acknowledged the need for a lefty reliever. I said, and I wrote, they need a lefty and a righty. They need somebody to replace Addison Reed. So You're, all I was saying was way, that Dombrowski... Like, when, when did you come become this guy? Like, what are you talking this, about? I heard this like with Buck this morning, like this guy who like has to cite, I wrote this, I wrote that, and I wrote this. Because people, in this instance... Have a little more confidence in yourself. Just say it. In this instance... Just say it, Rob. In this instance, it's very easy for someone, and it happens pretty frequently. Someone goes, oh, you're saying that now. You didn't say it before. I'm so insecure. I'm, I'm letting people know this is not a second guess. Don't this be, is, this just, is a first guess. Be, do this. When you walk out of this room... Be a little more secure in yourself. Well, you just tried to misrepresent my point about the bullpen. So anyway, I was not saying that what I thought they needed was a lefty. I was saying that's what Dombrowski said and might, to illustrate the point that they wanted a reliever, whatever the role might have been, and they didn't add anything. The role they, they wanted to add, as you put it, and I didn't quite realize was situational. I thought they were looking for someone who was a lefty setup man who could get both sides. Whatever. I'm sure they would have been happy with either. Either way. They also they did, didn't know they had Bobby Paul. I have said, and I will continue to say, I promise that this team will be adding a reliever well, by every, July 31st. Every, every, I don't think that's a huge leap of faith. Right, but, it, but, but that, it it's year. an area... Look, at some point here, when this streak wears down, this that's going to be one of the first areas you're going to see exposed again, unless unless somebody does really step up. Your Joe Kelly, Heath, Har- Heath Henry, by the way, has pitched very well. Let's give Heath Henry some love. 
The heater's done great. The slider's got uh, more depth to it. The they figured out that horrors. This is another conversation I had in Anaheim. They figured out that sliders that move downward. You want by the horizontal way, you, you moving you sliders are, are not effective. You are doing nothing to, to suggest that spending the money to send you to Anaheim was worth it. Anyway, go ahead. So the finding finding the setup guy, I agree. They're going to have to find the setup guy. It always happens that time of year. It's always usually. Yeah, but you could have done. You 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 ideally don't. Wait until July to do it, but but that's what they position they put themselves in. Well, you have to when you get up against that payroll. When you have to get up against the one thirty or two thirty seven, then you have to say this is what we're willing to spend money on. What do they overspend? Because you can't just say I'm, we're going to go out and sign an eight million dollar reliever when when Evan you do think there are possibilities. At some point, there has to be a leap of faith. My problem with what sure. they've done in the f- past is that their leap of faith have been like. You know, Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval in the starting rotation. The leap of faith when you're saying we have these relievers and that's one of fine. them can step forward, that's okay with me. That's fine. I, I do think there's been a little too much uh, acceptance of the, the, the idea that the, – all right, two, they're up against 237, okay? Could they have better distributed that 237 such that you had a little more certainty in the bullpen? When you have the highest payroll in baseball – and again, this is where it's like, but you're arguing against a 17 and three team. No, it's a fair, it's a fair argument. But tell me where where you would have allocated well, the resources. It, beca- it becomes on a th- uh, now in hindsight, seeing how well these position players are playing, it's like, well, where do you do that? I, I don't I don't know who you would have, you know, could you have gotten rid of Brock Holt's money and put that two and a half million toward a reliever? Maybe, right? Could, could you gotten the two point two? No, but like, but the, look. This is something I've pointed Brock out before. Brock, Brock, Brock. People push back against it too. The thing I point to is creativity. You're so insecure. No, no, no. It, it's it's because I've had this argument with the uh, with with people about about you know does Dave Dombrowski have creativity in how he goes about things? And one argument in his favor is that he added a guy in Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell who was on team friendly contracts. But do they ever trade away money? You know, where's that deal that makes you go like, oh, whoa, I didn't see that coming. All right, and I guess Eduardo Nunez might be the one guy. That's somebody you're like, all right, that worked out really well. And, and nobody, nobody expected Nunez to hit eight home runs after hitting four in, uh, in, in the time with the Giants before they got him. So if you're going to take Brock Holt's money, $2.5 million, to, to pay for a relief. You thought they should have made room for Edwin Encarnacion last year, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So the, it's but, more, but, that's but, a but, better but, argument than the, anything right now. It's harder right now to point it out because – you know, could you have gotten Moreland more cheaply had you waited? Well, I and right said, now, I would, said, would you have wanted honestly, to wait? Evan, honestly, Evan, like, I, I was railing on the Encarnacion thing for a year and a half, and I think rightfully so. But the way that things fell, the way that they, they landed, which you get Mitch Moreland on like a ridiculously team-friendly contract. Was which it, by, team, it is team-friendly. Well, no, I understand. It was a good contract for him. He got more. He got a better deal than than Logan Morrison and Moustakis or whoever, but at the time, still, it is a team-friendly contract for what you thought you were going to have to pay for a guy like that. And then you get J.D. Martinez, and you get J.D. Martinez for what amounts to a two-year deal. Which is, I think everybody wins in that situation, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he did a good job. With and, that and so, if you're looking. That's a bargain. Yeah, so, and Carnacion would have been three years at 60. So, you know, so you're getting JD Martinez, who is a better hitter than Carnacion. You get him at basically the same rate for two years. All right, I, I, I can't say they were wrong in that. I can say they were wrong at the time. Last year, they That's suffered. all you can really judge, last, right? Last year, they suffered. I, absolutely, they suffered. They would have won more games. They would have won more games when Encarnacion. Yeah. That was the move. So it's, a, it's more, it, was an issue, it was a question that was more valid last year. Right now, it's a little harder to point, point out and say, okay, this is what they, here's where they should have moved money. It's harder to do that. So anything else, anything else that you think could fall apart here? All right, you know, we haven't... And generally speaking, we have not really seen adversity for this team yet. We haven't we haven't seen a media storm. We haven't seen criticism. We haven't seen negativity. And nor do they should they have any right now. And and yet here you are asking me on this podcast to bring negativity into their world. And we don't want to do that because we support the team. Well, also we support the Red Sox. (laughs) I know you do. Also, you know the Hanley situation is always not to compare Hanley and Manny. But I remember 2008 covering that team. Manny was great. Manny was great. And then all of a sudden it flipped the switch because he had an option year and it became a mess. But it was like starting with the Jack McCormick thing in July 1st and just became a mess out of nowhere. 
And if Hanley, something happens to Hanley, he goes on the DL and this plate appearance thing gets dicey or he's not producing, if he not, goes back to what we were talking about before, if he's not producing, if he's one of these guys who's not producing and then he has to sit more, I mean, that can get uncomfortable. Like Mitch Moreland doesn't produce, he doesn't play, it doesn't get uncomfortable. You know, maybe Mitch Moreland's upset, but whatever. Everything right now works. There's no, these guys, everybody who's playing is doing well. It, it's, it's, so it, do you think, so my last question to you, Evan, is that do you think this is more along the lines of the two thousand? Uh, I'm sorry, 1984 Tigers or the 1987 Brewers? In terms of a, 1984 a good start. Tigers, just they just dominated from the beginning yeah. and just cruised on yeah, through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or 1987 Brewers, where things went awry. This team is 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 certainly this talented, but what you're seeing, you the column I a column I wrote the other day. Please go to NBCSportsBoston.com and check it out. Is that you go seasons without seeing a team play to its ability, right? Like, I mean, I mean, years can pass where you, where you where you have a team not on all cylinders. And what you're seeing from the Red Sox is what all cylinders look like, and it's very encouraging because it tells you, okay, we maybe we underestimated how good these guys could be, but at the same time, it's just so rare that everybody's doing this well. So individually, these talents are all there. Um, it's going to be. <laughs> It's a, what else can you say? But it's going to get harder from here. Is there anything else I could possibly? Tell are they you? going to? Are they going to take a significant downturn? What does that mean? Okay, where you where you actually get in a race with other teams, where you are in, um, that that you, you the Blue Jays. That you, that you, how far back is Blue Jays? What, what do you think? They're close. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. So do you think? Do you think that this is a team that's going to have a five game losing streak? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Do you think a thousand percent? Okay. Do you think it is a team over its two month span is going to play five hundred? Probably not. Okay, so that's uh, unless that, unless health comes into it. Probably a, not. That's an elite team. Yeah. Did they lose five in a row last year? I don't think they did actually. No, no, they hadn't lost. But more, good they teams lost can lose three. five in a row. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Astros did. And the, listen, we have plenty of examples with the Red Sox, good Red Sox teams going on terrible, terrible downturns. I think that when I look at this team. You always you you should if you're not looking at this with an eye toward a somewhat I won't say collapse but a significant downturn then you're crazy because it just can't keep going the way it is. It's physically impossible for a baseball player to do this. But this is how I look. This is how I'll give them credit for this. Is that I think number one I think they are why they've been doing this been managing people hasn't been this just shocking off. We're going to throw these guys out every single day and ride as we talking about the hot hand. And also I do think there are contingency plans and backup plans. We've already seen one with Nunez and Pedroia, that situation. Good the, position player depth. The, Thorn, the Thornburg thing, we don't know how that's going to end up, but at least it's an option. It's a potential option to be had there. You have other guys, Bobby Pointer. Um, you have other guys down there. You have depth starters you never thought would would be in any conversation. Hector Velasquez, Jalen Peaks has started out. Oh, I believed in Hector Velasquez. Okay, great. I've been Hector Velasquez's biggest oh, fan. Great, that's super. Let's go, Hector. Again, don't get so defensive. I'm just telling you how okay, I feel. Great. Well, he was awful in spring training. So, well, that means a lot. So you have backup plans. Anything? I'm. I'm. I got to be honest with you. I'm just exhausted right now. Well, that's good radio, Rob. No, I'm Thanks exhausted. for having me. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very energetic usually when I finish these things. You've exhausted I have me. a way of doing that with people. Yeah, how does it feel I'm to be on? thinker. How does it feel to, No, you're de- defensive. That's, I, I said like five times, don't be so defensive. I don't know where you get, when you get to this point of being so defensive about everything. Probably on this radio station. Oh, that is, you know what? You're probably right. What was it like being on the podcast? I'll, I'll use this one. This was fun. Good. It's better than you have the, a better than you trying to grill me on the on the overall organizational direction of what was then Comcast Sports at New England before I'd done a day there, which was the the, the genesis of our first lost have podcast. Fi- have you figured out what you're doing over there yet? Uh, it's great. You're trying to bait me into have like saying, <laughs> Rob, they told me that they want to be a radio station. That's what they told me in the interview, and I'm going there to be a radio host. Like it was unbelievable what you were going. Have you for figured out day. what you're doing over there yet? You can't trick a, a, an interviewer. To into following some sort of le- you know I'm not going to follow your cookie crumbs the way one of your players will. I, I like Hansel and Gretel, like Craig Kimbrell in the uh, 20 minute podcast to get to one question. Do what? Um, what do you make of the athletic? I think they're doing well. I hope they do well. It's not the answer. What, what do you, you what, make? What of, do you mean? Do you, three years from now, do you think they'll be going to be around? So, all right. 
I'll give you the honest. I'm not being. I'm no, no, not, no, no, I'm going to give you the honest answer with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm when honestly. People look. A lot of my friends have ended up. A lot of your friends have ended up there. And I talk to people about. Our, you know, you, you ask questions about the business plan. You and I, and anybody, and I would wager any of our friends in this industry are not in that business world to have a real understanding of the viability of this operation. There's no question you and I could ask those CEOs or you know the top editors there that would make us say, oh, okay, I know this is going to work, because nobody knows if it's going to work. So you just can't, you're, everyone is taking a leap of faith, every single person there, and I, I'm encouraged because it does seem like, look, the roster's impressive. If this amount of money doesn't work... I, what works? It, it's it's so all I'm doing is hoping that it does work for the sake of the industry. There's nothing you and I are not equipped to evaluate this on a deep level outside of you know, generalities, right? We don't understand. Oh, I, think, I think venture capital. We don't. We don't. This is not our stuff. No, but we. I think I don't begrudge him for doing this at all, and I don't know. Who would how much, begrudge? Like, what, well, what, there's we, no begrudging. No, there's no begrudging. No begrudging. All right, all right, Seinfeld. So. It, it's. I just find it. You know, I find this stuff interesting. I'm, I hope it does work out because these people that are friends of ours, and I, it's it's another great place for people to land with jobs. And everyone's trying to figure this out. Boston Sports Journal, same way. It's a subscription model. I'm going to be really honest with you. Yeah, that Mookie Betts story I did in Oakland, in, in Oakland, in Anaheim. The the story I did recently on Jared Banner, Red Sox front office person. I miss writing. I, uh, th- that stuff might still be the most enjoyable part of my job. Did you do in-depth that? In-depth stories. Do you do, do, did you do that? And this is a very serious question. Yes. Did you find yourself looking f- to do those stories, which I'm like, why are you writing the stories? But did you look, look to do those stories because you see what the athletics doing and saying, no, 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 no. we have to, make, we have to no, 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 pivot no, no. over there? No, 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 not at all. Okay. Not at all, because, it's, because I've, I've never stopped writing those stories, but, I'm, but it, it is re- related to the athletic in so much as that seems to be what they are. They're still doing daily coverage, and it's also varying very much city to city, writer to writer. But there, it is a sole focus there, whereas I, at NBC Sports Boston, do TV, I do radio with you, Rob, at WEI, and I also write those stories. But there is a part of me, at least lately, that's like, man, I do... It's enjoyable when that is a focus. Of course it is. Yeah. There's, there's Evan. I've always said this. I like that stuff. No, not everybody likes that stuff. No. Kirk Manahan doesn't like that stuff. No, Kirk Manahan can kick rocks. It's, it's different. It's apples and oranges. It's like you're talking about- But you could do it all, too. Hold on. Yes. And you do do it hold all. On. Sometimes hold, you, every hold, once in a while you have a good feature. Hold on. What you do, there's no feeling. There's no better feeling. If you're having a crappy day, you can do radio. You can do TV. You're never going to get the satisfaction you're going to get from actually writing a good story, even if you present it the wrong way, like you did. But if you have, if if you if you write a good <laughs> what story, story is that, Rob? you take you take a good story. You take a, the time and do a good story. There's no good, better satisfaction. I don't know in the business world if that makes a difference, but in terms of our own our own mindset it, it, I totally understand I understand where you're coming from yeah well, we're still doing good stories at our respective outlets you do it in media I do it in NBC Sports Boston there's something you and I came up as writers we didn't come up as TV or radio people so I think there's still that but default you, you position of that's you, what we but, enjoy but the most you know what? I also if you flip that around I also get frustrated too with the writers who say oh well how can you do that or how can you do that or this is talk radio or this is or you know for lack of a better example barstool or this like it's all the dude you gotta the wall's broken you have to accept all of it you have to accept all of it and and we've talked about this on the radio i think was you gave me crap for like joe kelly's son saying bradford show this is entertainment like you have to you have to get a people to read your jared banner story you have to get them in the door to read it and a lot of that is enter- finding the entertaining way to do that. All right, you, you're, you're right. I, look, I don't think there's anything wrong. I had a prominent, I had a discussion with a prominent uh, national writer in a different sport. Uh, I guess this was last year. And I wanted to punch the gun in the, I want to punch the gun in the fucking face. Uh, because he, he, he was basically saying, you know, well, we were talking about can one be a personality and also be a good reporter, and and um, you know he he was casting his downward uh, big outlet national eye on the on the idea you could, and I, I do we were brought up thinking you could not that that you're either a reporter or a columnist, and and I actually talked about this on a podcast with with the uh, prominent sports media guy the other day, Brian Moritz, who I worked with in Binghamton, New York. Who 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 doesn't know? Him? Who doesn't know Brian Moritz? He's a, a professor at Newhouse, um, Syracuse, but. 
this idea that that if you're you're a strict reporter with the reporter head on, you're not every everything is analysis. Everything is in some way a form of edi- editorializing. Some of it is more easily identifiable. But this notion that someone out there, if you're writing st- straight fact, you're writing literally. He grounds it out to second base. And even now in the shift, that could be that could be an argument about uh, where do you actually I mean, you know to. you know as well as I do where that comes from where you have people like school. That's well it. no it's it's also there we're going to keep digging in on this and screw everybody else for if they don't like it it's the I'm going to write this story and everyone come read it because it's an awesome story which is and the, and you know as well as I do there's a lot of people there's a lot of writers who still don't get that don't get that you can't do that anymore you have to go out and reach the reach out and get the people to read it you aren't unless you're at an enormous enormous outlet even then you can't just do something and say hey I wrote this isn't it awful, awesome it's, it's 3000 words but you still even though I didn't break it up at all you're going to read through the whole thing and you know what you shouldn't give an opinion in any of it you know as well as I do, there are still people out there who are, are saying, like the guy that you talked to, they're dug in on this. And you know who those people are going to be? Those are going to be the unemployed people eventually. <laughs> and, and we've already seen this. We've already seen this. We've, have we not? Because, yeah, because, yeah. because what people are prioritizing up until the athletic happened was people who could do a lot of different things, right? But the athletic, I, well, so my guess is you're going to see the athletic. If not going to video, they'll do podcasts. I think they want people like even the athletic. If you write a good feature, they want good analysis. And then where's where? Tell me where the line is between analysis and a column. With what? There are stories. There are columnists who write opinion pieces, right? Yes. And then there are beat writers well, who write every, analysis. Everybody. Pieces. Uh, What's the difference well, between uh, an analysis piece and an opinion no, piece? Where's the line? It's ambiguous at best. Well, it depends. If it gets too wonky in an analysis piece, it depends how you present it. So that's what I'm talking about. You have to present it the right way. But and, and here's the other thing: Do our listeners even understand these? You know, how many times do you hear somebody say, "Oh, I like Dan Shaughnessy on the Red Sox beat. He's not a beat writer." These distinctions. This, these, these are. And, and I'll reference Brian Morris again, this guy to the podcast with who I used to work with, who uh, is into sports media now. Uh, like, like that's what he does. His job, it, it is a construct, right? It is a social construct. I sound like every college kid now. Everything you see in this world is a social construct. The idea of, of, of what a beat writer does or what a, uh, what analysis is or any, any of these things. Well, you know, it's, it goes back to, uh, he's a blogger or he's a co- No, it, it's, it's everything. And, and I, it's, it's what, you, you tell credibility still matters. Of course. Well, that's the thing that's never going to change. You, the, the only, here's, here's the only thing. I can, you, you, you would hope it would never change. You, I mean, are, it has you, are, when you, when you, do, you and I put ourselves out there in, in almost very personal ways, right? Like, like, you know, when I do the radio and we talk about what's going on outside of it, and I, maybe I do this a little bit more than you, but you are opening yourself up to criticism. Whereas if you are in that strict line of traditional beat reporting, you're almost a little more free from approach. It's just like, and nobody knows anything about you, so yeah. so there's no criticism, therefore, of you, and the story but, uh, just stands. But Evan, again, who this is about? When you tell kids, you say you got to separate yourself, right? You have to separate yourself, and if you stick to that straight line that, of the people you're talking about, of not being able, willing to put yourself out there, of not w- being willing to market yourself a little bit, of getting a little looser in the way that you're writing, then you're not going to. The different jobs still exist. Well, you're not going to separate yourself, and and that's what the, that's what these people have to understand. Understand. And 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 I, you know, Scott Lauber left the ESPN. He just recently left ESPN, one of the last ESPN local sites. When ESPN was hiring for that site, like they said, well, we want someone to do this, a TV and the radio, and and but that's uh, ESPN, Snapchat, and whatever. Well, they end up not doing any of it, really. I mean, really, Scott didn't do a whole lot of it. He's he writing. did a he great, mostly writing, he, and he did a great job with it. But it's it sort of strikes me as. That's an organization said, yeah, we know we should do that stuff, but we don't really know how. And we, more importantly, we don't feel comfortable doing, of branching too far out. Isn't this what happened to ESPN, where they knew that they should show personality, but they knew it too late. They got Al Duncan too late in the personality, game. Personality, just, but just to, to draw a, a line here, you talk about, you can, you can, there is, you and I, I think still when we report a story, Unless you're like you know blinded by Pedroia or something like that, we we still adhere to some sort of internal compass that we've long had toward objectivity. Like you, you know, if there's a player, I don't like that guy. He gives me a bad quote. 
I, I think you are still able to manage that in your own head and say, all right, I'm not going to unfairly criticize this guy just because me because he gives me a bad quote. Not all media members can do that, um, but you know what I mean. There's a difference between letting your personality out and letting little potential biases that I guess everyone somewhat naturally has influence the work. Right? Uh, Those uh, sure. are two different things. Yeah, but 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 I think that's where people really get confused or, or people misrepresent that. Like, and when I say people, like the holier-than-thou organizations, they misrepresent that. I think that you go into a clubhouse, you should treat people like human beings. You can ta- talk to a person. You can have a conversation. And with the understanding, I can do a podcast with these guys at Twin Peaks Restaurant, but with the understanding that if shit goes the other way, you're going to report on it. That is the reality of, of life in the media right now. It just it can't be... Where the difference lies is the gray area. It, it's, it's the, there, are certain, there are stories and details that come up where it's like, okay... I'm, you know, I'm closer with this guy. Would I write? You know, is this an essay? If there's a, if there's something that has to be written, I have no doubt you'll write it, right? But if there's somebody you're close, it's, it's human. You're less inclined to write something no, that maybe it, is optional. No, it all comes down to the importance of the story. Should that story? Right. Should that information? Does that information have to get out there? A lot of it is maybes, though, Rob. Sure, but and also in baseball, it gets a little more convoluted than other places too. You because. Your the season's longer. The access is more. The, you have to say, hey, and I've done this. I remember. Here's an example. Um, back, in, I don't remember what year it was. Ortiz messed up his knee. He and no, he was. They were saying that that, that he had a bad quad, and he had messed up his knee. It caught his, his foot caught up in the netting, and so I'm asking. He let it slip out. It was his knee, and then he's like, I'm walking away. He's like, but don't write that. I'm like, well, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? He's still don't write that. So this is it's, it seems to be a big deal. So now you're thinking, well, he told me not to write that. It's an off the record thing. What do you do? A lot of times you find That's out a tough situation. You find out find out other avenues to go. But even if you go write it, uh, no. So this is what, So this close. is what happened. I didn't write. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're paranoid. And sometimes, been in this situation too, where you have to go up to him and say, listen, I got to write this because it's going to get written. And so, but in this case, don't write. All right, well, now you're looking for the opening. You're looking for any opening. And maybe you go up to him a different way. Hey, is it all right? Because, you know, sometimes guys change their mind. What happened was that Gammons, heading at the All-Star break, had said that David Ortiz might have to have surgery. And what they were saying was a quad. Like, you don't surgery on your quad? That doesn't make a sense, any sense. So I was at 2007 because I was with Silverman at the Herald. I call up Mike Silverman, who was out of the All-Star, ask him about this. And sure enough, he's in the mood. He says it was his knee. And that's usually how it works. So for these people to say, why didn't you report it right then and there? That, a lot of times that's not how it works. You're right. Yeah, uh, but from, and we go through this all the time. I've gone through it recently. I mean, they're, they're, it, it, it happens. Yes, it happens. Anyway. All right. We might break that up into two. Who knows? All right. I got to go. Me too. All right. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.